If you're working with a team and their dominant domain is the executing domain, where they're naturally the group that's getting a lot of work done, probably one of the most generative conversations you can have with them is, what does getting work done look like on this team? How is it that it's being measured? How does it feel to be part of, of this team where you're accomplishing great things all the time? And what does it look like when things are done? You are listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. Brian and Linda, welcome back to your recording studio in your basement. Welcome, welcome to back you. to Minneapolis. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. We are continuing on here with our series uh, around the domains of strength. This is uh, probably the first of four. I don't know if we'll put this in order, so maybe this is the second, third, or fourth. I don't know. But if you haven't one already... One of four. One of four. Exactly. If you haven't already listened to kind of our introductory episode on domains what they're for, how they really can help an organization understand and, and deepen their culture. Go back and listen to that. There's a link in the show notes and in the accompanying blog post. But Brian and Orlinda, in like 30 seconds or less, can you summarize that episode in case people don't want to go back and listen to that whole thing right now? How's that for a challenge for you? That is a huge challenge. So I think what I'm really asking is, why are we focusing on the domains? We've talked about this before. Uh, what's different or unique? Why are we focusing on this? And then today, in this specific episode, we're going to be talking uh, mostly about one of the domains, the executing domain. So why should we focus on domains, Brian? We are taking this tact with this idea of domains to help us better understand the composition of the team culture. So in the last episode, we talked about the dominant domain, meaning when you look at a, a team's strengths composition, which domain of strength uh, is the most dominant domain of the four? And then we ask the question, what does this dominant domain tell us about the culture of the team? Because we know that culture has a very powerful shaping influence on how people show up, what they believe, how they do their work. And if you understand the very nature or the ethos of the culture, then you can really begin to understand why there's an in-group, why there's an out-group, why some people feel included or left out, as well as the vernacular. We can go on and on, but the domain of dominance can tell us a lot about team culture. And the conceptual framework of understanding domains or these four categories of the composition of strengths helps us understand what we might be bumping into or what might some of the values of a specific team or a team culture or a family culture might be. Right. We talked a little bit about how it's kind of like a neighborhood. It's like yeah, a neighborhood of strengths. You know, when you know the neighborhood where someone lives, it gives you some general ideas of, you know, like you said, some values and other things, but you gotta, you have to go deeper after that. But this is kind of a high level overview. And we're starting with the executing domain, which this is all about getting things done. Mm -hmm. So why don't we define this domain a little bit, talk about the strengths within them. And then we're going to, I think, kind of do a little bit of an exercise if we were working with an actual group, some of the questions that we might be asking to understand this. So take it away, Linda. Yeah. Well, in the last episode as well, we talked about what is what would be the dominant domain of a group. And so when we would walk into a neighborhood and notice that 
the dominant domain of a group might be the executing domain. These are the, some of the things that we're looking for. Uh, we would be looking for a group that's that really values making things happen, getting things in motion, getting things accomplished. You can hear it in their vernacular. This is what we do. This is what we did. If we're walking around a neighborhood of an executing domain, we might hear that that people just have a need to implement a solution. They may understand what it means to work tirelessly, to work excessively, because that's just what they do. That's how they operate in the world. We also notice that in if, if we're walking around the dominant domain of the executing themes of strength, we're, we're starting to notice that these are the people that catch ideas and then they make it a reality. They actually make things happen. They, they move and you see progress. And those are some of the things that we'd be looking for when we say, hey, what, what does it mean to be in an executing domain? Yeah, I think we all probably know someone like that. Or been um, on teams. Or been on teams <laughs> where with that's someone. Valuable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The strengths in this domain, and again, this is all referenced in, there's a link in the show notes. So the themes of strength in this domain are achiever, arranger, belief, consistency, deliberative, discipline, focus, responsibility, restorative. And so if you have one of those themes of strength or know someone that has one of those themes of strength, pay attention, which that should include everyone because <laughs> this is important. Right, Brian? That is right. And when we understand that a team is comprised of a dominant executing strengths, uh, we have to ask ourselves, so what does this look like? What does this feel like when this team gets together? And some of these attributes of the executing domain, the getting things done d domain is you can feel a sense of work. There's an expectation there that the people are, are going to show up to work. They've already done things before they got there. Uh, they may have just ways that they're doing work. Even the physical space uh, could be set up in a certain way that, that promotes a lot of industry and getting things done. So that's one of the things that, that you're looking for is what does this domain say about the culture? Gotcha. Thanks, Brian. So Linda, you mentioned like, you know, when we're wandering around the neighborhood, some things you might look for. Do you have any very specific pointed questions that, you know, you've worked with a group, we've made a spreadsheet, a dashboard, we know how many are in which domain, you discover, wow, this, this team has a lot of these executing themes, that's the dominant domain. What are some of the very first specific questions that you ask, you pose to the group? Well, okay. One of the first questions I, w I would say, well, actually, before I would ask the question, I would say, remember, be curious. Mm, yes. Don't just tell them, oh, you have the most strengths in this category. So you must have this. This is your dominant domain. So tell me about it. So instead, I might walk in. So, you know, with that framework of being curious, I might walk in and say, all right, turn to your neighbor and tell them, what do you do? What do you do? What's your job? What do you do? And when, when someone turns to their neighbor and they begin to speak and they begin to talk, there's this sense of these are all the things that I did. Sometimes it's, it's almost like a virtual to-do list or a, a to-do list in their mind that they're, they're checking off all the things that they've done or accomplished or worked on or ways that they have, you know, push something across the finish line. So one of the first questions would be something around what do you do? Or 
when was the last time you accomplished something you're proud of? So some basic questions that start to get into letting them use words to describe that describe whether that this is a really strong domain or not. Yeah. It's kind of allowing them to arrive at some of these conclusions, if you will, without, like you said, just sort of labeling them. And then they have that in their mind. Then it's like, oh, we're an executing group. Therefore, we don't do any of these other things. So I think that's an important, maybe just something to reiterate about any of this type of work, right? Because a dominant domain will point to what a group values and what they value about hard work. So even to look at a group and say, well, how many hours did you work (laughs) today or this last week? And there's a sense of, oh, 60 to 80 might seem like an average week. Sure. 100 is, you know, a, a, a workaholic. Um, 30 would for sure be a slacker. No matter how smart they worked, there might be, you a know, perception that, 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 that perception. Correct. Working harder equals yes. uh, working better. Yes. Or, or they might say, whatever. Yeah. well, what do you mean at work or at home? Because at work, they might put in... 50, 60 hours at home, they're, you know, redoing their basement and they're making furniture on the side. And and homeschooling their kids while while, while that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. So then to kind of, I guess, maybe ask this another way, what else is this telling us? Like these are are all data points, data points. What else does this knowledge, uh, sort of insight does this grant us? Like, what do we do with this? When you understand the dominant domain, that says a lot about the culture. We also ask some other questions within that culture, because if, I mean, for the sake of this conversation, we're talking about the strengths that are all about getting things done. Within any team culture, there will be some dominant influencers that are the ones that are actually maybe aligning the work or measuring the work or dictating what work needs to be done. So we're looking for that group of individuals, and that could be seen as like the in-group, like who are the in-group people that are driving this, regardless of title, because those people will be there. And that that begs a second question, which is a really close follow-up question, is then who are the secondary groups? They're the ones that are probably executing behind the scenes. They're the ones that are getting things done, may not get the accolades, just by maybe the nature of who they are. And within any culture, we're also looking now to maybe what are the dominant strengths within this domain that are prevalent on the team, because that will also tell you a lot about the how and who are the ones that are are stepping up and and the ones that are really unaware of the influence they're having on other people. Because within any culture, there are always the shapers of that culture and the responders to the shapers of the culture. I wonder if I can ask the question differently. What doesn't this information tell us? Like, are there mistakes or assumptions that we don't want to jump to by knowing in any any information around, around domains, but maybe specifically around, you know, the executing domain and getting work done and the hardworking folks? What the dominant domain does not tell us is where the strong connections lie, hmm. whether that's between groups or individuals we don't know. We also don't know the executing consciousness of the group. Because there, there are some people that there are some groups that we're working with, and I'm looking at a spreadsheet right now that has dominant executing themes of all the team members. In fact, 12 of the 14 members of this team have executing themes. Now, what I want to know is what consciousness do they have? 
that this is how they show up. And sometimes they're very aware and sometimes they're very unaware. And that's pretty important for me to know. You also can't determine this. What happens to those who simply do not fall in this dominant domain at all? And I'm looking at two people on this spreadsheet and they're both dominant. Four of five strengths are in the relating. So what happens to those individuals when they may get left behind or when they have questions? Again, that speaks to the the consciousness of the the group. Uh, And we can't make that determination either until we're actually working with the team. Right. Because you can't assume, oh, you have four or five in other domains in this. Therefore, we can't count on you to get anything done. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Because sometimes that individual is closely related to others and they're working right alongside but I'm, I'm also going to say this, whenever we have a dominant domain discussion, we're also just listening for what happens to the voices that just don't fall in that vernacular, you could say, because that dialect on a team is identifiable. They're going to talk with language and words and adjectives that talk about work being done. It's, you can always expect that. Is there then a, uh, a shaping or a directing or a way to leverage this? This group is good at this. Is there a way to leverage those powers for good and not evil? <laughs> if that's a well, well, for sure. And I think one of the ways that we began to detect what the dominant, what the dominant domain of the culture would be is to talk to the leader. Because oftentimes it's the leader that has the most shaping influence on what the dominant domain is, meaning uh, the leader will say, this is what I value, so fall in line. Or I really value thinking things through or building relationships, but on this team, if we don't accomplish something, yeah, I'm looking for someone else who can. So if we're talking with a leader, how does your team get that work done? How... Uh, have you have you expressed to them that you value you know speed or value perfection or you know failing fast and getting you know keep working? Do you value hours at the computer, hours with one another, and and just understanding how that leader has shaped this culture and then how the the players or the team members kind of fill into those those gaps. One of the general practices that we apply is we are always in contact with the executive leader of any one of these teams that we're working with. So following up with what Linda said, we will also address some of these uh, questions around the impact of the dominant domain, but then we will also ask uh, the leader about the individuals who don't share this same uh, domain in common. Like, what about Jill, you know, or what about John? Like, what, how do they play on this team? Because you may hear from the leader that those individuals that you are concerned about are completely dialed in. They're a key member of, of the culture. And that's really helpful for us because then we don't have to really worry about whether that individual understands that, hey, I'm in the midst of a getting work done culture. What about me? And just because it's a dominant domain doesn't mean that it is a generative domain. Right. What does that yeah. mean? You could be dominating in a very uh, degenerative, hurtful way. Yeah. So when we well, when we talk about strengths, we say, 
you know, a theme becomes a strength when it's generatively applied, when it's productively applied, when it generates life in you and others, when you lose track of time, it's helpful, people feel excited. Same thing with a domain. If if a dominant domain of a group is generative and life-giving, it's people want to work harder and they feel the value of it. And then maybe because they're recognized by it and then they can get even more work done. But it could be that that there is a group that has a dominant domain in this executing and and they take responsibility for everything, which means they can take responsibility for nothing. Maybe they don't know how to delegate. Maybe they are just, they're seeing all the issues and they don't know how to get unstuck and move past it. So they just keep themselves really busy and they are, they're working, they're working harder and not smarter. And so detecting these components of a culture with a domain sort of lens zoomed back to look at what work are you actually accomplishing? Are you doing it in the ways that feel healthy and and that pro- promote this work-life alignment that you're looking for? Those are some of the questions and the the ideas that we're trying to spin around with leaders as well as team members. And I want to follow up with that for one second, because what Linda is touching on is is also extremely important. Nathan, you're mentioning like what happens when this culture is like, you know, when it, it's really rolling and that steam engine is is moving, like what's that culture like? And then that's an, an, an important thing to discuss. We also need to discuss, you know, what happens when the team gets in those gray areas, when things aren't going well, because every dominant domain has three things that we all need to be aware of, and and that is it has a domain bias, domain boundaries, and domain blind spots. And those three things we have to also address because with every dominant domain or every domain for, for that matter, there's a domain bias, like a way that they think things should happen or the way outcomes should look. And that is a, a bias that is set within that domain. So anything outside that bias is considered like, well, I'm not sure that that's a, a gray area. A dominant domain also has this tendency. It has the tendency to set boundaries on what's okay and what's not okay. In a, in a dominant do- domain of executing, What's probably not okay is like taking time off, uh, self-care, taking a a personal day. Taking too much time off. Taking (laughs) too much time off. Like that may be seen as not productive. And then there's also just some blatant or just some obvious blind spots that you can almost predict that you know if, if we like a executing do- domain may say if we think too long that's that, that's hurting our progress um and, and so there are just some blind spots to be aware of there but you know if you're working with a team those are our three simple words to always consider bias boundaries and blind spots right well, I think, you know, what's important to remind everyone listening to this is, you know, we've been talking about this for 20 minutes. Almost everything that you have mentioned would be, you know, if we're working with a client, would be a pause. All right, turn to your neighbor, talk about this, come back, discuss it as a group. And so it's, you know, we're cramming a lot into a little bit here. And also as we continue to talk about, you know, the other three domains, you know, what I, I can't help thinking about is that super hard productive working team that doesn't get along, that cannot relate to one another, that is, you know, we'll get to that later. Yes. But it's just, again, as you think about using this material in real life, there's lots of that overlap. If you're working with a team and their dominant domain is the executing domain, where they're naturally the group that's getting a lot of work done, probably one of the most generative conversations you can have with them is, what does getting work done look like on this team? 
How is it that it's being measured? Because um, they're they probably know how they're measuring it. How does it feel to be part of, of this team where you're accomplishing great things all the time? And what does it look like when things are done? You know, how do you move on? Do you celebrate? Um, how do you make changes? So th- there are so many upsides to this conversation because once you begin to have the team feedback on how it is that they're getting work done, you're really going to understand, you know, how their relationships are growing and the potential challenges that the team faces on a weekly basis. Well, Brian, Linda, thank you so much. Thank I'm you. excited to uh, continue this conversation here in one week's time. Well, a few minutes, but (laughs) listeners, tune in next week as we talk about the thinking domain. And thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of a strengths-based approach to people, teams, and culture. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your entire organization, click the link in the show notes or visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. And if you have questions about anything you heard in this episode or other episodes, or just want to reach out and bounce some ideas off of us, you can send an email to connect at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. And we would love to hear from you and uh, talk about your team. I'm Nathan Freeberg. I'm Linda Shubring. I'm Brian Shubring. (laughs) On behalf (laughs) of our entire team, thanks thanks for for listening. listening. Brian, you were. That was monitored.